Coming up on tonight's episode of Don't Panic, we talk about AT&T finally doing right by cord cutters. We also talk about Apple's iOS 8 update, how secure is it, and how much space will you need to install it. And we talk about Amazon's new devices. We're talking new fires, new Kindles, new services, and a lot more. It's a great episode of Don't Panic, and it's coming up next. This is Don't Panic, episode number 64, recorded September 22nd, 2014. On Amazon's lineup, Canning Beats and The Big Download. Hello and welcome to another edition of Don't Panic, the technology podcast that somehow doesn't have its own trend of trendy headphones. I'm Sean Jennings and I am joined by the Minneapolis and St. Paul of technology, our twin cities. They are <laughs> Colby Rabideau and Dan Miller. Guys, how's it going? Good. I have a bed now. Oh my God. Yay. I'm so happy. Our long bed. national nightmare is over. Yeah, yeah. It, my my bed finally managed to follow follow me all the way across the country. I, w- now... I was worried that they kind of disappeared. All your stuff disappeared somewhere in the middle. But I'm glad it. <laughs> I would I would have been so sad. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's my big news. That's really all I have to talk about. Well, that's excellent. Well, this now East Coast East Coast exclusive show is ready to get going, and we've got uh, some really great technology stories to talk about. I'll remind everyone out there that we do the show Monday nights on our website, don'tpanic.io. There you'll get live and past episodes, audio and video, uh, where you can also get links to our social media, Twitter and Facebook, and you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, RSS, and on YouTube. Um, let's get started. Uh, guys, I'll give you some option. We can talk about Beats, iOS 8. Amazon, AT&T, any of that tickle your fancy? Let's do AT&T because I was really excited about this when I read about it like a half an hour ago. Yeah, this is a really neat story. So, you know, uh, trendy going around, everyone talking about cord cutters, right? Those who refuse to pay for cable because they can get it on the internet. Well, uh, it's a long time coming. All these companies saying we're going to do internet-only TV. Verizon now saying they're going to do it. Well, AT&T today announced that they are going to do a internet bundle where you pay them for uh, broadband internet access, a basic U-verse TV package, and they're going to throw in HBO Go, and a year of Amazon Prime, and you'll get that all for $39 a month. Um, It's interesting because you get the full Amazon Prime subscription for the entire year. That alone is a $100 value. Combined with the broadband internet, basic U-verse TV package, and HBO. Now, you'll need to sign up for an entire year of service, a 12-month contract. Um, if you leave, you will pay a termination fee. Um, and they only guarantee that price for the first year. But it's still an interesting opportunity uh, for those who refuse to... Uh, Is this the only way to get HBO Go legally without paying a cable company? Well, here's the problem, though. Because if you think about it, you are paying a cable company. Well, So... so um... I, I basically have Comcast version of this thing, um, and it is slightly more expensive, and uh, it doesn't come with Amazon Prime. Um, what does it come with? What it, so I get I get like some very small number of very insignificant channels. Um, I get, so the the thing is you get HBO go, but you just get HBO. Like I can watch HBO on my cable box. Um, and consequently I have HBO go. Uh, but yeah, it's okay. They'll like, I don't know if it's anything like Comcast, like supposedly I get 45 plus channels. I don't know what's on those channels. Um, I don't get like. I don't get any of the cable, the channel, the cable channels you would watch. I don't get like USA or TNT or TBS or ABC. I don't even get ABC Family. I do get the. How food are you going to watch though. Pretty Little Liars? I, I get the Food Network. All I've watched on <laughs> TV is Chopped. Chopped is on all the time. Um, so, but go ahead. You what? Why did you get this then? Just for HBO Go. No, because this was cheaper for the first year than getting just internet. <clears throat> Interesting. So yeah. Jill doesn't want a cable connection either, or uh, I think she sh- sort of does. But if it were cheaper, would be willing to pay for just internet. But since it wasn't cheaper, we'll probably just like after after the first year, it goes up like thirty or forty dollars a month. So like, 
then it won't be cheaper, I don't think. Um, mm -hmm. But so, you know, next next September or whatever, we can we can deal with that. Um, but for now, this is fine. And we can watch Game of Thrones. The nice. oh, the uh, the other thing. So one thing I, I I never thought I would say something nice about Comcast, but like um, apparently there's no HBO Go app for the PlayStation Four, which is dumb. But all the HBO stuff is available on demand through Comcast for free, um, so I can still watch it. But it is not in HD. It is in standard D. That is bizarre. Uh, there's a HBO Go for the Apple TV. Yes. But that's my only my only advice. I don't have an Apple TV. Roku though. as well. And Chromecast. Don't you have a Chromecast? I don't. But I might get one. It sounds useful. Yeah. Price is right. Um, yeah, that's the problem with all these kind of cable and internet deals is they're usually very discounted for the first year. And then they right. go like as far – I've seen it in cases going as far as doubling it after that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, we're, keep that in mind when we talk about this $39 a month plan. But I think it's really misleading to say this is for cord cutters because they're getting cable, the exact thing that right, they're right. trying to cut. This isn't HBO streaming only. They're getting HBO through a cable package. It just is a limited cable package that is cheap. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure, like, you're basically just paying for HBO with the cable And they package. throw the few pa channels in there because they don't cost right, Comcast or like, anything. Yeah. To, to me, I think the big value here is the Amazon Prime for a year, I think, is an interesting thing to yeah, kind of throw in. I would have never thought of that. I agree. Totally random, but, like, sure, I'd take it. I love Amazon Prime. I mean, absolutely. That's and that's what I think these companies, especially your AT and T's and Verizons of the world, it's it's reminds me of like the uh, Verizon Edge plan or you know the new things with the phone where instead of you pay them a little bit each month and you can upgrade sooner and all that. It's the same idea where these companies are going to start to realize if we give them a lot up front, we'll make the money back in monthly increments. You know, because some people yeah. aren't comfortable with a hundred dollars up front, but what they're not realizing is by the time you've paid the whole year, they've probably made money on that hundred dollar gimme. Yeah. So. Right. Eh. Yeah. And I mean, it's all the other stuff with the, like, they try and lease you a modem now, which is like a modem costs like 70 bucks, but they try and they've been lease doing this forever. You. Yeah. Well, I, yes, I, I, I guess so. I haven't had cable for ever and like i've never been responsible for my own cable until like right. you know a couple weeks ago um but they try and lease you a 70 dollar modem for like eight dollars a month so like they make back their money in less than a year on that and they start getting free money off of you and i i assume that leasing the modem is for the term is forever um yeah just like would you pay the the uh device charge on a mobile contract even right. once you pay it off, you still pay it as part of the contract. Right. Unless you got T-Mobile. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, the the fees are outrageous. I was just reviewing our uh, – we have DirecTV, and they charge me a fee for HD, a fee for having a DVR, a fee for each additional receiver over the main receiver. I mean, it's these fees are just outrageous. But you go and you see an ad for, oh, DirecTV starting at – $20 a month and you're like, well, starting at for the first six months for like a standard deaf, you know, old TV in your basement. Like, it's just, I don't know. How does it grow it's so very sneaky. I mean, I think this is really interesting, especially while it's not cord cutting, I think it will appeal to the, I don't want to spend a hundred dollars a month on cable audience. Right. And I like to see these big companies trying new things. And that is to me, what's most exciting because if they're willing to do this, What's the next thing? Dropping the cable? You know, adding more stuff on top of Prime and HBO? I think I think you could do some interesting things. I feel like this is almost like a, okay, we get it, you don't want cable, but we'll, they'll get it. To, I mean, we, we can convince you to get cable anyways, like, because they still make money off that maybe I don't well, know. and i'm sure there's some percentage of people who 
wa- start watching it, then realize how much they like cable, and then upgrade to a bigger package or get a DVR. Or, right. I'm sure that happens. So. Yeah. I mean, TV is nice. It's pretty pretty convenient in a weird way. Like, it's not... I don't know. Like, you don't have to make a decision with TV. It's just there for you. It's like the ultimate laziness. It's very America. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I will never understand cord cutting. I'm just not there. I, I really do like my cable and my DVR, and I just... I, I want access to everything, and damn it if Hulu to dare show five commercials. They show more commercials than broadcast television, and you can't fast-forward through them. Yes. And I pay them for that privilege. Yes. Ugh, Damn it! It's my least favorite thing about Hulu. It's it could be so good. It's the it's, reason I don't use it. I remember back in the day when it was like one fifteen second ad, like two times an episode. <laughs> yeah, the same one. Yeah, and it was and it was always for like some nonprofit because they yeah. didn't have any paying sponsors. <laughs> oh man, good times. Now you got to watch the same ad thirty times. All right, um, let's move on to another story. Uh, why don't we talk about iOS eight? And some Apple stuff. Uh, have you guys uh, upgraded? Have you been using uh, iOS 8? Any early thoughts on the software so far? I have upgraded. Uh, early thoughts are it doesn't feel all that much different. I, I don't want a new keyboard, so didn't really do that. I haven't used any of like, the sharing extensions. I have like configured them, but it's never come up to use. Uh that's all I got. <laughs> oh, the LastPass extension. It's not an ex- extension, sorry. It's custom action. So at any point, uh, you can open up LastPass and grab the password without having to leave the app. That's pretty uh, great. Touch ID that integration. That, so, Dan, uh, that, that was my, it. like, I just didn't under, like, I really hope they could do something, like, convenient and compelling, but I, I just didn't understand how that would quite work. So you have to be on a screen that has like the uh, share button on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you press that share button, you get a menu, probably like what you're used to. Yeah. And if you scroll, you can uh, configure this by pressing on the more button, but then there'll be the LastPass icon there. Okay. And press that. It brings up LastPass. Uh, I authenticate. Uh, the nice thing is, uh, and there you go. So I could press one of those and copy it or do whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite feature of iOS 8 is the adoption of Touch ID on everything. So my last pass, I don't have to type in my like 18-character password anymore. Just Touch ID. Uh, Amazon, I can buy things without typing my password with a Touch ID on the Amazon app. Uh, simple, instead of typing the passcode, you can just use Touch ID. That's my favorite feature. That's cool. Yeah, it's sounds good. Super nice. Nice. Yeah, I will say I I upgraded my iPad too. Um, mm. I don't know. I don't think I've encountered anything different. It did. So it did have the word suggestions at the top of the keyboard. That was kind of nice. Yep, those work um, kind of well. I'll try like SwiftKey at some point. I just want to give the the new Apple keyboards a fair shot. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm, but mostly I just use my iPad for podcast listening on and music. So, yeah, I uh, I upgraded both my iPad and my 4S, and I will say the 4S performance not great on iOS 8. I don't think that's surprising. Mm. You know, it's now kind of, they don't even sell it. It's the legacy phone. Uh, But it is, it's not like unusable, it's, but it is noticeable. Yeah. Uh, So it just, things are a little slower to open. Even, I don't know if this will happen now, but it even takes, I see it took a good second when I pushed the button even to turn on the screen. Mm -hmm. Um, Outside of that, you know, I agree with Dan. I think unlike iOS 6 to iOS 7, which was a big interface change, you noticed and it was in your face. I think this is a lot yeah. of behind-the-scenes features. Um, and a lot of those features require, you know, Apple Pay on the iOS 6, or like Dan said, Touch ID, which I don't have on this 4S. So uh, um, yeah. I, I think, you know, I've tried... The only real big feature that I've kind of played with and tried was both uh, the keyboards, the additional keyboards. So I tried SwiftKey. Um, 
I found the performance not great. Again, I'm on an old phone, so I went back to the Apple keyboard. The other thing is the um, widgets in, and I have a better example. So I don't know if you guys, if you've used the widgets in the notifications bar dropdown. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can now, I don't know if the brightness is up enough for you to see that, but you can put the, uh, so uh, Dropbox will let you know your most recently updated files. You can do weather. Um, my Discover Card app lets me constantly see my balance, which is kind of weird. I don't know why I would, like, constantly need that, but I guess it's interesting. Open Table, Kindle, uh, and more apps growing. I think that could be really interesting. I want to kind of wait and see um, as more apps adopt it. I think that's kind of upcoming. Um, overall, it's okay. You know, I really think I'll when I get my iPhone 6, I think that's when I'm really going to notice and, and use it. Yeah, I have Duolingo, which is just kind of silly. It tells me how far away from my goal. Yeah. But OmniFocus, <laughs> it shows you what uh, actions you have due or starting uh, today. That sounds And useful. that's like right underneath the regular old calendar widget. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a use case that has to be proven, and I think it will be. I, I think developers yeah, have I to figure so. out how to use it. Um, but so I'm excited. I, I think that's the other thing. Like, I feel like one of the biggest things about iOS 8 is, like, the inter-app stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and it's going to be a while before the the full value of that is really yeah. realized. I read an article by in one of the new Instapaper developers, and they were saying that, uh, like, they've... Instapaper has all these, like, crazy hacked-together, shared-to-Twitter, uh, custom UI things they made to, like, make posting articles to Twitter really easy or Facebook or whatever it is. And now they pretty much just have to get rid of all that, but they also have to provide a save-to-Instapaper extension. So, yeah, it'll take a while for all of these things to play nicely together. Yeah. Um. Well, some interesting things happening with the iOS 8 update. A lot of people uh, kind of got upset because when the uh, update was released last Wednesday, people got a notification that iOS 8 required up to 5.7 gigabytes of free space to install on your device. Yeah, uh, that was crazy. And up to so, 7 gigabytes on some devices. Interestingly enough, it did not require nearly that much space on my iPad, though I still had to delete. Um, oh, you know why that is? No. Because you're still on a non-retina, so all the graphics oh, are like half as big. Oh, stars you above. You just blew his mind. <laughs> that makes so much sense. I was confused because I saw all the things and it was like everyone was upset. And I was like, I mean, this is big. And I have like 600 megabytes of space on my iPad because I had um, XCOM and like a bunch of giant games installed. Um, yeah, I did a big clip too. Yeah. Long yeah. overdue. Yeah, I think what's interesting about this to me is the piece of advice I'm going to give everyone out there, and many people are not going to agree with me, but I don't care. Um, you should always back up, sync, and update your iOS device through iTunes over USB. Do not do it over wireless. I know of... I've heard of a ton of people whose stuff doesn't get synced, it doesn't download right, they have issues. Um... I don't know of anybody who's had issues doing it over USB with iTunes. And I do it over USB with iTunes. I didn't have to worry about having space because the reason it needs that much space is to kind of unzip and unpack all the files for the install. It doesn't have to do that when you do it over USB. So yeah. that's my personal experience. I, I that would have been good to know. Uh, <laughs> but, but once I got enough space, I've done this several times and I've never had a problem. I mean, Over really, this happens every time there's an update. Now that there's, you can update wirelessly, yeah. and it's like, I don't know. This is not new. The thing, maybe it's even what, bigger though, because you need. Now, uh, never mind. I was gonna say if you needed to, the like non-retina, retina, and whatever the hell they're gonna call the six and six plus resolutions, if they use different textures, they might use different textures for the six plus at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, then you might need like three times as much space. But if I have to imagine they're doing per device build downloads. I would imagine at least for the OS. I don't think you can do that. I don't know. I don't think they do that on the app and store. They, but they don't do that for apps. I, last yeah. I heard, when we did the Swift episode, I remember reading that. Yeah. Um, maybe someday. 
One thing, so one thing that did bother me is I read several articles about the 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 space issues, and all of them like it wasn't until si- like five or six paragraphs in that they mentioned, oh, but if you update via iTunes, yeah, I had no idea. You should have yeah. told me that earlier, Sean. <laughs> yeah, you Damn, Sean. well, because they constantly say, "Oh, sync to the iCloud. It'll be, it'll all magically download the device, and then all <laughs> it'll the time, be fine." It's like, where are my pictures? Where are my Don't apps? Worry. And it's like just, and the same goes when you're upgrading devices too, because you can just push a whole backup over USB to your dev- your new device, and it takes way less time, and it's way more accurate. That's just my findings, but I I agree. I think this is kind of silly, and I don't know. It just made me laugh. If they had just kept the nude, ah, never mind. It, at at some point, they they should just really push the storage on these things. I understand it's a different chair and it's a way to make money. Uh, I don't know. Why not like double? Well, I don't know. If they could just like with Macs, they have the recovery partition. Uh, so you buy a Mac and it has like 256 gigabyte hard drive. But it takes like ten or fifteen of that for the OS backup. Mm-hmm. So at any point you can restore yourself. If they could just make these phones big enough where you could take five, ten gigs and no one would really care, then you wouldn't have this problem either. I agree. And remember, they're still selling the five C for free at eight gigabytes. Really? Yep. You just do think about that. Oh my gosh, that's Absolutely. unusable. On this up, sir. Uh, the other interesting thing about mm-hmm. iOS 8, Tim Cook came out uh, against uh, giving your data to the government and claimed, quote, on devices running iOS 8, your personal data, such as photos, messages, etc., uh, is placed under the protection of your passcode. Unlike our competitors, Apple cannot bypass your p- passcode and therefore cannot access this data, so it's not technically feasible for us to respond to government warrants for the extraction of this data from devices in their possession running iOS 8. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't really have much more to add to that. Um, so with a public valid, service announcement. Yeah, with a valid search warrant, they can extract certain categories of active data, um, but it requires a valid search warrant. Um, so it's kind of confusing. I don't I don't quite understand. That is confusing. I feel like we're being played. I just don't understand. Yeah. What can they? What? What can they? What? What can they read? I don't. Know. I mean, you know me. I don't care okay. about my security. So. I know. Take whatever I mean, they want. Right. Right. I mean, we've had that discussion before. Yeah, that's, we we know that's, that's beating a dead horse. Yeah, no kidding. Like... Um. The only categories of user-generated active files that can be provided to law enforcement are SMS, photos, videos, contacts, audio recording, and call history. Well, that's really the only interesting part. (laughs) Why would you want anything else? Apple cannot provide email, calendar entries, or third-party app data. Really? All right. That's because Apple doesn't have any of that. Yeah, that, oh, that's stupid. All right, I don't want to talk about that. Let's uh, let's talk about <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about something that really does matter: beats. <laughs> We've been talking them beats. Uh, it came out in TechCrunch today. Um, a report, aka rumor, uh, that Apple is going <laughs> that Apple plans to phase out their Beats music brand. Um, uh, it was inquired, it beats was acquired in May by Apple. Uh, but the report tells that the on-demand music service would lose the beats name, but would continue on with Apple possibly being integrated into iTunes. Um, with another source saying Apple will make a quote, significant music announcement end quote in the first half of 2015. Engineers from Beats Music have already been transferred to other divisions at Apple's, and Beats Music CEO Ian Rogers was put in charge of iTunes Radio in August. So my question is, is this a surprise to anybody? No. Sold. Um, Are they they phasing out the entire brand? It says Beats Music, streaming service. 
Oh, so just the streaming part. Just the streaming right. part. Yeah, so the headphones will remain. Yeah, yeah. No, it was just the streaming service that nobody used. That well, that one guy used. Now, I'm, I'm going to give credit where <laughs> credit Cook is used due. it. If you watch that interview on 60 Minutes, and he couldn't <laughs> sleep. He couldn't sleep afterwards. I'm not joking. I didn't watch that Did interview. Did you watch this, Sean? Yeah, I saw that. That was really funny. <laughs> He's a he's a he's a funny guy. I saw someone did an in depth interview with him. He's a really interesting guy. Yeah, I'm no, a big is. Tim Cook fan. Except for that <laughs> bit with Bono at the end of the keynote. Uh, Bono. Could have done without that. Um, yeah. I mean, what's interesting about this? Apple responded by saying it's not true. Um, but then Recode went ahead and said that Apple plans to continue to offer on demand streaming, but may modify the Beats Music brand. Um. Again, leading credence back to it being folded into iTunes Music. Now, I will give credit where credit's due. Beats Music was kind of successful. After three months, a quarter of a million subscribers. Um, but Apple was a big fan of their strategy, and, and I, I don't think this is surprising to anybody. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's what Apple bought Beats for. I mean, my only thought would be, would they fold iTunes Radio into Beats <laughs> Music, right? Which has the bigger brand in music, Beats or iTunes? Yeah. I don't know. I could I've never used iTunes debate Radio. there. Do people use iTunes Well, still? that's my idea. I feel like when I... Because, again, this is my perception. When I hear iTunes, I think old, crappy software that doesn't work. But when I hear Beats, I think pretentious tools. Why would I be interested? <laughs> I mean, so... So, as, as I, I will say, as much shit as we give iTunes, like, if I was going to listen... I mean, on a Mac, anyways, I don't I don't use windows but if i was gonna listen to music outside of the spotify ecosystem i would open itunes um i don't know i don't know if that's good or bad i actually open google music like when you say listen to music outside of itunes like music that you own or yeah yeah i mean music that i own or music like um i don't know just you know, like sometimes things aren't on Spotify. Like, if I was going to buy something, right. I would probably buy it from iTunes, which is probably not the right decision, but it's what I would do. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I you, don't, you don't shop on Amazon Music at all. I I only do when they like give me credit for a credit for whatever, and then I'm like, oh yeah, I can do this and download MP3s. <laughs> um, but no, I I don't really I very rarely buy music at all because uh, Spotify is pretty good nowadays. I I almost bought Taylor Swift's new single, but luckily my patience and or forgetfulness paid off because it was released on Spotify this week. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. We'll have to wait and see what happens there. Uh, an early 2015 announcement doesn't surprise me. They're going to do something for watches, so um, who knows? Maybe that could be a part of it. We'll see. Um, all right, let's move on to Amazon and the um? the six new things they announced this week, gentlemen. Six? Six. See, Wow. you know what? Say what you want about Amazon. I'm kind of happy they just did press releases. Like... They didn't stage a big event, didn't have Bezos on stage holding up stuff. Um, that kind of backfired with Fire <laughs> that, Phone. Yeah, that is what he does. So for this, they just said, no, nah, we're just going to put them out there. So I think that's cool. Um, so let's run through these, starting with the, uh, I don't want to say bottom of the barrel, because that's not really fair, but the Fire HD Kids Edition. Um, this is a standard Kindle Fire HD tablet, which you can get at the 6 or 7 inch size. Um, and they add on a bunch of features. So you pay $50 more than the standard version of the uh, Fire HD. But what you get with that is a one-year subscription to Amazon Free Time Unlimited, a terribly named service that gives you a set of unlimited kid-friendly content that includes 5,000 game vid- games, videos, and books. You also get a gigantic rubber case that holds the tablet and makes sure your kids don't break it. And you also get a two-year, no-questions-asked warranty. 
Uh, it says here, Amazon representatives all but uh, suggested that your child could put it in a blender, and if you sent the dust back to them, they would send you a new one. <laughs> <laughs> so when they say two years, they mean it. Um, an interesting tweak on the uh, tablet market uh, a lot of companies have tried to make kids-specific tablets. Amazon here taking the approach of taking their standard tablet, making a few tweaks, and selling it for children. Interesting. Um, I guess that's cool. I don't know. I'm. I have mixed feelings about kids with tablets. Dude, like the when you kids see with the iPhones break them all the time. I mean, uh, iPads. Because in uh, my experience, those things are. Built like tanks. I don't know. I've never like dropped. I've never seen anyone with a broken iPad. Right. Like not not in the same way that you see like every other person on the street has an iPhone with a cracked screen. I, I, I saw someone break one yesterday. They were really. Like, yeah, they were like getting something out of their car or putting something in their car on like the street of Manhattan and smack right on the right on the nice pointy uneven yeah. pavement uh, it's yep. it's concrete and pavement i i would dare someone to break it in their own home i feel like yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. you really have to try <laughs> yeah that's um, fair that's how mine got cracked i slipped on ice fell back and my phone literally flew oh, out, no. of my head, out, out of my hand <laughs> and uh just cracked the corner um but yeah, so I I think it's interesting. I really I don't think it's the rubber case or the warranty. I think it's the um free time unlimited that they're giving you all the apps and the books and stuff cuz that content adds up. Uh so I think that's an interesting uh feature to include. Yeah. Yeah. Um let's say you're an adult, uh maybe you would like a Kindle Fire HD tablet. Sans kid stuff. Colby, do you want us to get you one with the rubber case so you don't break it? And then you can have all the games and books you'd like. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes, please. Well, the rest of us are going to get the standard. Uh, actually, I'm not going to get the standard Fire HD, <laughs> but uh, it comes in two sizes, six and seven inches, and in five colors, which I think is new. Um, I don't think they've done them in colors before. Uh, the six-inch version starts at $99 with Kindle special offers. Um, and the 7-inch version starts at 139 with offers. Um, and both begin shipping next month. Uh, both run quad-core processors at 1.5 gigahertz with what they claim is three times the graphics performance. Um, it continues to run Fire OS in the Amazon App Store. Um, it also has some new features in Fire OS, including uh, content sharing between family members, which we'll talk about a little later. Um, the ASAP pre-caching of video which we know from the Fire TV, um, as well as other enhancement not listed. Um, it's a little kind of thicker and more generic than the HDX, its more expensive uh, brother or sister. Um, both cameras have rear and front-facing cameras. And uh, and there you go. All right. So, you know, I, I again, I think this is, I mean, you know, a a decent full color full size tablet for, you know, a hundred or 150 bucks, I think is a really compelling device. I, I think they, they're going to tap that. I was surprised. Cause I, for some reason, as I get, this is gonna, <laughs> as I get older, I've come to get to know a lot of 13 and 14 year olds. And <laughs> I, I know. I know I said, um, just through family members and things like that. As I get older, they get older, whatever. Um, and a ton of them have iPod touches. Like that is yep. their big thing. Cause they're too young or their parents don't want to get them iPhones, but they have iPod touches and they use them all the time, all the yep. time. Um, like, like it's a phone. And I think a six inch and even seven inch fire HD, I think is a really compelling device for that demographic. Right, the the kind of too yeah. young to have an iPhone or an expensive iPad, um, but the Fire HD is capable enough. Where I think I think Amazon has found a really sweet spot for themselves right in that market. Do we think that Apple will update the iPod Touch now? Because wouldn't they have done it when they announced the new iPhones? Like, don't they usually do it in September, anyways? Well, they usually do it after the new iPhones, though. I guess. Yeah. Well. 
I know if this was last year and the year before, they do an iPhone iPod event. And then the second event they do is Mac and iPads. Yep. But they did the watch instead of iPods. So what might be interesting, let's keep piling rumors on top of rumors, if they're going to talk about Beats Music and iTunes Match in early 2015, that would be an interesting time to introduce iPods. Yeah. Now, it would be stupid because it's post-Christmas. <laughs> so right. I don't, you're not going to get the, the Christmas bump in sales. But then again, I don't know how many people are expecting to buy iPods. I mean, if well, that's still a big Christmas must item. For 13 and 14-year-olds, it is. I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think I think they'd be smart to do it. And we may see them in October. Who knows? But um, that, that would make sense if they did. But you're right. You're right. There isn't an update to that. And I, I would expect it soon. Um, but this is an interesting... Uh, Interesting device. Um, let's say you want to upgrade again, get out of the tween market, get into the, the young professionals market. Uh, you might want the Fire HDX 8.9. Oh! Um, now, can you guess... Microsoft-level model names here. Can you guess how big the screen is? 13 inches. No, that that's a good 9. guess. 9.1. 9.1. No, you're never going to get this. Believe it or not, it's 8.9 inches. <laughs> I know. You would have never thought. Shocking. I know. Um, this new model has a faster processor, better Dolby sound. Uh, not Colby sound, Dolby sound. <laughs> get that right. Um, and the updated version of Fire OS, it costs $379, um, and that is for the Wi-Fi with special offers. The LTE model is an additional $100. Um, it also has a new keyboard accessory uh, and an app suite for working with Office documents. So so it's interesting that they're kind of positioning this not as a productivity machine, but certainly with those features included. Um, I want to scroll down to this keyboard. The keyboard is very reminiscent of if you've seen the keyboard Microsoft has for the Surface, that kind of fold-up keyboard. It reminds me a lot of that. Uh, it sticks using magnets. And it costs fifty nine ninety nine on the side. It is Bluetooth with an integrated trackpad. Now, you might be saying, why would you need a trackpad on a Kindle Fire? I would absolutely agree with you. Um, <laughs> except that, and I want to read how they describe it because I did not understand it. Um, um, it's in here somewhere. It has a windowing mode. Where you can have apps in oh, Windows, boy. but nowhere in here do they describe how that actually works, which is kind of disturbing. It just says a Windows virtualization app. Yeah. Okay. I do not know what that means. <laughs> but apparently it exists. Um, you'll also get the other features I mentioned on the other tablets, the Mayday uh, instant video help button. Um, you will get the Firefly, Firefly feature from uh, Fire Phone. That can God, it's hard to say. Um, that can identify things around you with the camera. Um, Twelve-hour battery, new cover, uh, bigger resolutioner, thirty um, percent more pixels than the iPad Air, um, and other such things. So, there you go. I think this is kind of a tougher market for them to compete in. Personally, I feel like by the time you're paying three seventy nine, it's it's your close, and especially with LTE being four seventy nine, and that's you have to remember these are all with their special offers, which means you get ads on your devices unless you pay them a little extra, oh, which is irritating. Really? And they and they barely How much play. Do they get out of that? I I it's got to be, but it's only like an extra. I'd have I think it's like about forty or fifty like, bucks. Yeah. So I well, guess people over, always want the cheapest thing. So well, I'm I, sure. I think a lot of people. It's not that they hide it, but it's like asterisk special offers. Like they don't make it super clear. The reason it's cheaper is because you'll get ads. So right. I think a lot of people fall for that by mistake. Would be my guess. But you know, you factor in the full price, it's going to be four hundred dollars. I mean, that's really close to iPad ter territory. Could you see value in getting this over, say, an iPad? Hmm. No, especially when there's also a Microsoft Surface in the world. Like, if you wanted a physical keyboard, I'd be like, oh, okay. But if you want a physical keyboard, get a Microsoft Surface. I think that's definitely the best physical keyboard tablet experience you can get. Yeah. Yeah. I think the there high was a guy on the subway using a Windows phone. 
sitting next to me today. What? Me too. <laughs> was it oh the my same God. guy? Wait, no. take what country was he from? I don't know. Or she? He looked. He 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 seemed America-y enough, but I I don't know. Okay. We we didn't speak. We were just sitting next to each other on the. You subway. didn't you didn't ask him about his cool Windows phone? No, I didn't. I I considered it. He he had live tiles and they were doing things like there were they, they like were live. live. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> you're getting it. You're getting it. Um, all right, let's continue on. We've got they've announced even more stuff. Two new Kindle devices. <laughs> We'll start with the cheaper one, a $79 base model Kindle. Uh, it has a touchscreen, faster performance, and more memory. Uh, and yes, the $79 is with offer with offers. Um, they've upgraded their entry-level e-reader with an all-touch interface, a.k.a. no buttons. Um, it is now 20% faster and has twice the built-in memory. Uh, you get all of the same software features you've come to know and love on your Kindles. Um, and... Later this fall, they will add the $9.99 per month Kindle Unlimited subscription service through a software update. Um, it is what it is. It is a cheap e-reader. Yeah. Solid device. But if you're serious about books, and some people really are, then you're going to want to pony up the $199 for the brand new Kindle Voyage, the high-end Kindle e-reader. Um Let's go through some of the features here. Um, it has. I'm excited about this. It it looks great. They're saying the screen on this thing is absurd. Um, it is. They had the dots per inch on here, and I wanted to 300 pixels per inch, which makes the text sharp and readable. Um, and they say it's one of the best reading experiences they've ever had on an electronic device, at least those that have read it. Um, along with the higher resolution, the screen is also higher contrast. Um, all of which come together for a better reading experience. It's front lit, um, but it's also a completely flat front. If you remember the old Kindles, they kind of divot down a little into the screen. Mm -hmm. This is completely flat on the front like you're used to on like an iPad-type device. Um, there's also an ambient light sensor that allows the Voyage to dynamically adjust the brightness depending on your settings, which is interesting. Um, and they say that it does it actually slowly over time, so your eyes adjust. It doesn't do it suddenly. Um there's also an interesting new feature they call page press, which means there's uh, pressure sensors on the outside edges of the screen, and with a slight squeeze of the tablet on the side, um, you will go to the next page without having to take your hands off the side of the device. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited about this. And you I'm sound overjoyed. Thrilled. No, but seriously, <laughs> I'm having trouble not buying it right now. Um, I have, so For I one have. Thing, the, it's not available yet, right? I don't know. Is it? I, I don't even know. Um, I will look while Colby is talking. So, yes, it will be I, released I on have, October 21st. Okay. So I have like three generations of Kindle Go. Um,. And I love it. It's great. It's a, it's like this is pre backlight Kindle, right? Yeah, um, that's the one I have. Yeah, right. Yeah, and so I was like, when the when the paperweight came out, that's the backlit one, right? When that one came out, I was like, backlight's pretty cool. But the thing it didn't have was the buttons. Like I like the buttons. Um, it's like I. I don't think I would have liked to have to swipe like all the time. Mm -hmm. I like to like, you know, lay down and like hold my Kindle with one hand and like page through with, with my thumb. Um, so given that in this case I get not only the backlight, but I also get a high resolution screen, which like the old screen was not high resolution. It, it's like, you can see the dots, but like it's still way better than reading on an iPad or an LCD screen um, because it's not, I don't know, it doesn't hurt my brain or my eyes. Um, but so not only do I get the backlight and, and the high-res screen and touchscreen and fucking ambient light sensor, but I can push the things. 
the and and icing on the cake is that the things are not physical buttons because one one thing I tend to do is I like idly play with the buttons as I'm reading, um, mm-hmm. which is like fine most of the time until I accidentally press the buttons, um, and disaster strikes and I end up somewhere I wasn't planning to be, um, <laughs> which can sometimes be an adventure. So I'm I'm like really, I don't know. I'm going to have a hard time. I, I haven't figured out the problem I'm having is that there is literally nothing wrong with my old Kindle. It's like it works just as great as it did two years ago when I bought it. Um, and I, I don't know what to do with it. So I'm going to have to figure that out. Yeah. A, a really compelling device, especially if you're a serious reader. Uh, and I would make, I think I could make a comprehensive argument that, they're really if you're into reading you should just go straight for the voyage and not get the cheap one because Mm -hmm. i think it's if you're so serious about reading you want a separate device then you should just pony up the cash and get the extra features at least that's my theory you know like given my given my experience with the one i have now like i feel like this thing this device is going to last a long time too Mm -hmm. like it's not there I mean, I don't know what they're like now, but the old one, it, it's super light. It's it's durable, but light. So it's it's not like it doesn't get beat up like like your phone gets beat up or your iPad gets beat up because it's heavier and it hits things harder. I don't I don't know. Like I feel like it's 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 two hundred dollars that you'll have to pay once for. I mean, unless you get I don't know unless they totally change the game next year with the new Kindles. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I feel like in two years, you'll probably have a hard time justifying getting a new one um, because the old one still works. So, so awesome. Yeah. If it's anything like that, the one I have. Well, I Colby, know. we'll have to talk you into buying one so you can re- review it for the show. What do you say? Uh, <laughs> I, I guess so. It probably won't be hard. All right, we'll do that. Uh, We're running low on time. I'm going to quickly mention, alongside all the physical devices, Amazon also announced Family Library, which allows people in the same household to share not just books, but audiobooks, prime instant video access, and any apps or games that were bought off the Amazon App Store. Now, things that are not included are music, movies, or TV shows you purchased. But it is interesting that it allows up to six people uh, to share these features. They claim two adults and up to four children, though they don't say how they'll verify that. Um, in the same way, you can share your Prime with four family members, but really you can share it with anybody. Um, the new feature will work not just on its own physical devices, but also on third-party devices that run Amazon apps. Um, this, for me, was actually the most exciting thing about this feature, uh, about this announcement that they did, was the fact that I'm all the time like, oh, you got that book, we should share that, or oh, you pay for Amazon Prime, but we can share the shipping, but not the videos. And I, I think this is really exciting. I- I'm I'm all up for this. It's it's about time we got to share the things we bought, like we can with physical books. Thank you, Amazon. It's something better than nothing. Um, yep. So that I've is had that Kindle lending library, but I've never even used it. Yeah, lending has always been a real hassle. They make it difficult. Um, so hopefully this will work easier, and that is coming later this fall. Ooh. Ooh. All right, well, we have got to continue on here to our picks because we're out of time for stories. Um, I'm going to go first because my quick my pick is quick. I can't talk tonight. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I'm, I'm marble mouth. Um what I wanted to quickly mention was that um, I am a football fan, if you have not noticed, because uh, all I talk about is football um, and my abysmal fantasy league. But uh, what I will mention is that I'm a big fan of the Red Zone channel. And if you're not familiar, um, it's a channel that shows only the good parts of football games. Some people would say. <laughs> I think all parts of football games are good. But imagine a channel that just shows you all the touchdowns as they're happening live on a Sunday afternoon. It's the greatest <laughs> experience. And people say, why would you need that? That seems so unnecessary. No. Sit down one Sunday afternoon when you flip between ten games at once, and it's nothing but pure excitement for four hours. 
at the one o'clock game and then you get the four o'clock games. It's great. I love Red Zone. Problem is, it's really fucking expensive. On DirecTV, for example, you can't just buy Red Zone. You got to get the whole package and it costs $350 for the whole season. Oh my God. Other cable packages will charge you $20 a month for just Red Zone. It is an absolute racket. But I found a, not really a loophole because it's an advertised thing, but uh, if you are a Verizon wireless customer, as the official wireless company of the National Football League, you can <laughs> subscribe to the Red Zone package on your uh, Verizon wireless connected device. And for $5 a month, you get streaming access to the Red Zone channel. It's actually a really good deal when you compare it to the cable and satellite companies. Um, and especially if you ponied up for the 6 Plus or have a tablet on your wireless plan. Um, it's a really excellent experience. It's great to watch. Uh, and I like having it with me while I'm watching a game regular on TV. And then I can have Red Zone going as well. So my pick, if you're a Verizon Wireless customer... Uh, download the NFL mobile app. It's $5 a month, which is insanely reasonable. And you get the Red Zone uh, channel right on your Verizon Wireless device. Nice. So a narrow pick, but a really good value, uh, especially if you're a football fan. And if you haven't watched it, they give you like a little bit of a free trial. Check it out. It's pretty exciting. Um, all right, let's continue. Colby, why don't you talk to us Sweet. about the Googles? Yeah, so my pick... I feel like Dan might have picked this before. No, um, I don't think so. No? Well, in any case, my pick is Google Voice, uh, which for any of you who don't know, it's like it's like a proxy for your cell phone number. Like you you get a, a, a cell phone number that is different from the one you currently have from Google Voice, and you can like – Google Voice sits – in between your phone and this other phone and like you can give people this number and they can text it or call it and it gets forwarded to your normal phone and you can do all kinds of things. You can like do your voicemail through Google voice and it like transcribes it for you and it's all this crazy shit. Dan has been using this forever. So like since, since I've known Dan, he's always had Google voice since 2009. Yeah. That's literally when we graduated from high school. Um, In fact, I it was July of two thousand nine, and I had just gotten uh, uh, my wisdom teeth taken out, and I got like you're invited to the Google Voice beta email, and I was so excited, but I couldn't talk. Uh, <laughs> it was still exciting. Uh, yeah, but in any and case, I they might they've barely updated it since then. Yeah, it's about the same, but it functions. Um, it, does. it does work. So I never really got on the on the bandwagon. I always found the like the idea of having like having to give out a new phone number very daunting. Like I'm pretty fond of my phone number. Actually, I'm pretty sure if you wanted to, you can transfer your phone number to Google Voice if you're that into it. Um but in any case, I'm not that into it. But a couple weeks ago, so I just moved into this new apartment in Boston. Um, and, you know, my girlfriend and I moved in. We'd been here for a little while. And my PS4 was coming. And it was coming via FedEx. And FedEx is not – FedEx is – so so I guess UPS and, like, the post office have, like, a key to, like, the entryway where the mailboxes are here. Um, so UPS will will leave our packages in the entryway, but FedEx is not, so they will not leave them. Um, so you have to be there when they get there, which is inconvenient. But in any case, it wasn't a problem because I wasn't working yet. But we were we were I was thinking about it, and I was like, wait, how do I know when they're here? And like we were looking around the apartment, there's no like there's no doorbell. There's no intercom. So, like, at the front door, there's an intercom. And we're like, wait, what the fuck is going on? Uh, so we, like, emailed the landlord. And a- apparently the intercom is, like, a phone. Like, so, so when you when you you say Sean is coming to visit me at my apartment, he gets to the door. There's this intercom with a list of, like, apartment numbers. He hits the start button and dials an apartment number. Um, my apartment is 24. So Sean dials 24. It makes that the box 
makes a phone call to a set <laughs> phone number um, and it rings that phone and you can talk to the person over the phone. And I was like, that's like weird, but interesting. Um, the problem with that is there are two people that live in this apartment. We don't have a landline because like it's like 2014 mm-hmm. um, and we can only put one phone number on on the intercom so i was like well that sucks a bunch of dicks like only like only only one of us can get called by the intercom on our cell phone which like 50 percent of the time is not in the apartment um but then i had this crazy idea of google voice um so it turns out a thing you can do with google voice is also have it have the calls go to two different phones um, so that's exactly what I did. I signed up, I got a number, I gave them that number. And now when anyone rings, rings our, our intercom, it calls both of our phones. So, um, Limit, li- I, we had a very similar experience where in the elevator at work, the emergency intercom started ringing and it auto picked up because I guess that's how it works. Uh, and suddenly we had a Google recruiting ad playing to us in the in the <laughs> elevator. I'm not even joking. I I don't. I'm convinced it was a fake because I don't think Google of all companies would have a a telerobotic ad. Uh, but yeah, so telephones underlie a lot of different things. Yeah. Cool. Google Voice. Check 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 it out for your apartment intercom. Uh, <laughs> All right, uh, Dan, I I I am so oh. happy when we not only have a physical object pick, but a board game pick at that. So yeah. why don't you talk to us about this? So Balderdash is it's a board game, but the board is just a one-dimensional like you go from zero to ten sort of thing. Uh, but here's the concept: so uh, a person is like the game master and draws a card. And it could have, let's see if I can find an example. Uh, hmm. Here we go. Yeah. Here we go. Uh, It could have words on it like Baron Dookie. And so the, the game master says this, and then everyone has a piece of paper and writes down either what they think the definition of Baron Dookie is or they try to make up something that they think other people think the definition is, and they all throw them anonymously into this pile, uh, except the Game Master knows who's who. And the Game Master reads off all the definitions, and once all the definitions are read, each person has to uh, decide which one they think the correct answer is, or they can try to trick people and vote for their own, but uh, you only get one point for voting for a wrong answer, but you get two points for voting for the correct one. But if you can convince a lot of people to vote for yours, then you're golden. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's kind of like it ends up turning out like uh, uh, what's the apples to apples thing that's really raunchy? Cards Against Humanity? Cards Against Humanity, except uh, the potential for craziness is even higher. Because uh, oftentimes, if you just have no idea, you'll make up something ridiculous, and that's always good. <laughs> So Balderdash is the name of the game. If I didn't say it, B-A-L-D-E-R-D-A-S-H. You can find it on the Amazons or at like Toys R Us. I'm pretty sure I actually got my copy at Toys R Us because I just really wanted it. I wanted it now. Sweet. Balderdash. Made by the fine folks at Mattel. You can get links to that and all our picks on our website, don'tpanic.io. Colby and Dan made this amazing website that makes it so you can go to any show we've ever done and right below... The video and the, and the information are little links to everything we've ever picked. So um, you can check it out there. Don'tpanic.io is the website. Uh, very good, gentlemen. That wraps us up for this week's episode. Um, I thought it went well. Yeah. Me too. Um, so I did something exciting this week and drank hard liquor while we were doing the show, and I'm like, I'm a little more buzzed than I usually am when I have a beer. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I noticed when, when you said, uh, what what was it? Uh, 
What was the phrase you used? It's it sucked like a bunch of dicks. <laughs> it sucks yeah. a bunch of dicks. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I did I was say like, that. Colby's getting loose lips. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, well, Colby, we wouldn't have it any other way. Um, thank you guys <laughs> for being here. And thanks to all of you out there for joining us. Like I said at the beginning of the show, we do this every Monday night uh, on our website, don'tpanic.io. Uh, you can find it there, and I'll also pimp our social media at Don't Panic Show on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Don't Panic Show. Um, I really recommend following us on Twitter because I tweet when we're going to do the shows, when we're doing the shows, uh, and when the new episodes are posted, and definitely subscribe uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, We Like Overcast, Pocket Cast, via RSS, you name it. We're probably floating around there somewhere, um, and we appreciate you joining us. Uh, unless you gentlemen have anything else... I will wrap it up, and uh, thanks all of you out there for watching, and we'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Don't Panic, but until then, good night. This show is brewed fresh weekly by the Coffee and Beer Podcast Network. Get all our shows at our website, coffeeandbeer.tv.